Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for writers, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee, with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Runes, all from Writers, Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. In our previous two episodes, we discussed four plot structures, basic beats, and Freytag's Pyramid, both which are reductions of Aristotle's plot requirements and Shakespeare's dramatic structure. And our problem was we didn't have enough information in any of those four to help writers with their own stories. With Aristotle, we get close because we realize that we're working with the character as revealed through plot. And with Shakespeare, we see the development as we analyze his plays. But how do we make that work for us? In this episode, we're close, so close, in the way that stories are organized and developed. Yet we'll end with a major hint for the best plot structure out there for writers. Let's go. Stories are organized like the waves on a beach rather than a flat drawing. The story organization structure that offers more help for readers and writers on the quest to understand plot is the complex plot structure. In complex plot structure, the beginning has three parts, narrative hook, exposition, and conflict question. The middle has parts we'll discuss in a little bit, And the story's end also has three other elements. Let's go with the beginning. The narrative hook is designed to capture reader interest immediately. It hints at the major conflict, although it may only be tangentially related to it. The hook must occur on the first page of the story. Many writers strive to have the hook occur in the first paragraph. Several great stories hook the reader with the first sentence. By opening Romeo and Juliet with a street brawl, Shakespeare hooks his audience. Exposition then guarantees an understanding of the situation, the setting, and the major players. The writer achieves this through description, an explanation, and opening dialogue. Great stories also give an idea of the major themes. In Romeo and Juliet, the arrival of Prince Aeschylus will end the street brawl and give hints of the primary driving forces and major themes of the work. When we are finally introduced to Romeo, in love with the idea of love, and more interested in being a lover, not a fighter, we can anticipate the conflict to come. The conflict question is the primary question confronting the protagonist. Will, our focus character, achieve whatever goal is their focus. The conflict question is always implied, never stated, but it will be clearly presented. And when we can answer the question with a yes or no, 
We know where the climax of the story is located. In Roald Dahl's Lamb to the Slaughter, the conflict question is whether the murder weapon will be located. For locate the weapon, and therefore locate the murderer. The wife feeds the leg of lamb to the detectives, that's the murder weapon. Since the detectives eat the weapon, they will never solve the crime. The story ends at the dinner table. The end of the beginning of this story is when our detectives tell us they are looking for the murder weapon which will solve the case. That's the conflict question. In The Monkey's Paw by W. W. Jacobs, the title gives the hook followed quickly by the speculation about the mysterious visitor who is expected. The exposition presents the happy family, then draws us into the story of the three wishes and the sergeant major's wish to destroy the trouble-dealing monkey's paw. The conflict question occurs when we too want to know the result of the father's wish granted by the monkey's paw. Will the man get his 200 pounds? The middle portion of story has three parts as well, repeated as necessary based on the story's length. This sequence of repetition of events is sometimes called the tri-fail, tri-fail, tri-success sequence. We call this middle portion complications, which occur in a roller coaster of obstacles, successes, and failures with the cost of failure increasing more and more as the story moves toward its logical end. Within the complications is a zenith, the point of greatest success for the protagonist. In a tragedy, the zenith will slant toward the beginning of the middle. Most genre writers bracket the zenith between deep troubles, offering a reward to the protagonist to keep going. Also in the complications, those deep troubles are deep and dark moments for our protagonist, the deepest of which is called the nadir, the lowest point for the protagonist. Many writers create a switching rotation for these elements, such as this example, which is only as an example, success, strong success, failure, success, slight failure, Success, strong failure, zenith, failure, failure, nadir, slight success, failure, final success. The story's end contains our last three elements. This will be the shortest section of the story and certainly not an equilateral triangle. The climax occurs when we know the answer to the conflict question. That moment of yes, no is the exact moment of the climax. We will have a scene building up to that answer, but it is clearly findable, as the climax in Freytag's Pyramid can be easily debated. The most dangerous game has the up-close battle between the protagonists Sanger Ransford and Zeroff. We want to know if Sanger can escape the general's game. We have the answer to this when Sanger confronts Zeroff at the end of the story. The resolution definition repeats free tags, everything after the climax, which will tie up the loose ends and answer any questions. In Most Dangerous Game, we readers are not witness to the battle between the two titanic hunters. We know only that Sanger enjoys resting in Zaroff's bed. He is the obvious winner. A denouement is not often included in short stories. 
Often, though, it occurs in novels. The term comes from the French and means the unveiling. This is the closure of Freytag's Pyramid. This is the unexpected epiphany none of us expected to have once the climax is over. The most dangerous game, the writer Richard Connell did not need to write his denouement. Every aware reader is now wondering the same question. Will Sanger Ransford become like General Zaroff? Connell was so careful to show the similarities between the two men before he had Sanger so offended by the general's loss of a moral compass. Why do you think he developed those two similarities so closely? Prose for the complex structure. This structure provides enough information to help writers understanding crafting any story. The elements are easily applicable to any story of any length from any genre. Second, the narrative hook keeps writers focused on crafting strong and enticing opening elements, opening paragraphs, opening sentences. The zenith and nadir and roller coaster design in the middle create a pacing sequence of the long series of scenes and sequels for the complications section. And the ending section is suitably brief, but the complex plot structure has its cons. The lengthy complication section is not easily broken down into parts. When examining other writers' stories, this middle can bog people down. Using highlighters and markers to bracket off the scenes is a practical method to work on short stories, but it won't work for novels. And the last con, the resolution can be too abrupt, especially if people were really enjoying the story. Plot structure for writers. After our quick survey of five plot structures, you might believe that we would advocate avoiding plot structure entirely. That would be wrong. The previous five are great ways to examine the fiction of other writers. They offer common terms that everyone knows and understands. One of the best ways to improve as a writer is to study how other writers craft their stories. Because stories are crafted, writing requires several different kinds of craft. Stories don't just spring out of the blue. The concept for the story may have a crystal clear inspiration, but writing the words and working to convey that concept requires the writer to wield every skill possible. And writers can practice their skills with every story that they tell and every story that they read. Characters are crafted. Descriptions are manipulated. Plots are structured beginning to end, whether the story follows a chronological sequence or a nonlinear one. The nonlinear stories actually need a stronger framework on which to peg the developing scenes. So, a structured plot is absolutely necessary. Knowing the basic stages of a plot structure will not kill your curiosity in the story. If you map every step, block out every scene, that can cripple your curiosity. Having a basic arc of story, though, is merely a guide. Your writing can wander into the wild wood anytime you want. No one is dictating words and page count for each element of the story. 
You can have a projected word and page count, but the muse remains free. No one has assigned a page number to a stage of the structure, and no one will. The organic nature of a great plot structure allows for constant change. Every time I launch a book, I start with the basics, a title, or some intriguing idea, a couple of characters, a situation. Those swirl around in a mighty vortex before I pick up pen and paper and get to work. With some of my stories, I launch straight into the writing and discover the story as I write. With others, I delve into those two characters and their goals and motivations, and the story forms around that deep digging. I keep wanting and have occasionally achieved a stricter outline of more than seven basic steps, beginning, middle, end, darkest moment, greatest moment, betrayal, unexpected twist. Wherever and however I start, though, once I begin the first paragraphs, the scenes and sequels fall into what I've come to believe is the greatest plot structure in the world. Greatest because it's organic and allows adaptation. Greatest because it dictates very little. Greatest because it allows the creative muse to dance around, spring forward and jump back, and pirouette into unexpected turns that please me as I hope they will please my readers. What is this greatest plot structure in the world? It's the oldest one, with roots in mythology. It's universal, crossing all cultures. It's highly adaptable. It's the archetypal story pattern. An archetype is a primary model that occurs over and again in mythological stories. Those mythological stories fall into patterns of development. For thousands upon thousands of years, we have told stories to each other to relate our day, to remember a past event, to entertain and teach children, to enthrall everyone on special occasions. Some stories were repeated over and over until more people told those stories and they became passed down by the group, then shared farther afield. Modern stories follow the same pattern as those ancient stories. Films tell the visual story that we can tell with written words. We can sing the story or enact it through pantomime. But the stories follow the ancient patterns, the archetypes. Whether we relate actual events or fictional ones, whether we sit around a campfire or tucked on the couch with a child on either side, we use that same archetypal story pattern. And that's in our next section, Writers and Archetypes. What do writers want to know about plot? What do writers need to know about plot? The right focus is taking a comprehensive view of plot, the structure that develops characters, genre expectations, major story structures, pacing, tension, suspense. We cover it all in this series entitled Discovering Your Plot from M.A. Lee's Guidebook of the Same Name. Writers will discover unexpected insights and methods that deepen their understanding of this major craft 
in the storytelling world. Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Renee Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.